because you're jumping back into the gut. Oh, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Piedmont University head coach Greg Neely to the basketball podcast. Neely finishes 10 seasons as the head men's basketball coach at Piedmont University. Six of those 10 seasons have seen the team finish 500 or better, making him the winningest coach in program history. When coming to Piedmont, Neely inherited a men's basketball program that went winless and was forced to cancel the season's conference schedule. Neely has turned the program around with an emphasis on defense as the team annually finishes at or towards the top in the conference defensive statistics. Before coming to Piedmont, Neely spent one season as the head coach at Warren Wilson College, where he led the Owls to their first ever USCAA National Championship. Greg is also the creator of the ImmersionVideos.com product, Unlock the Power of an Adaptable Defense, the 212 Pressure Zone Defense Mastery Series. Available at immersionvideos.com and basketballzonedefense.com. Greg, welcome to the Basketball Podcast. Thanks for having me. Well, this is fun. And uh, we connected, uh, I guess, a few years ago now and uh, learned about your defense, learned about your system, learned about how you turned around a program that basically canceled the season. And I'm sure we'll get into that. But uh, let's maybe first, what was it like to be able to put together this product for coaches to be able to learn your defensive system? And it's, it's been uh, such an honor to do it and really humbling, to be honest. And, and it's been really cool to connect with a lot of different coaches, too, from all over the country. But um, I feel like I've stolen or borrowed or whatever term us coaches like to use from you and, and so many other different places. So, you know, to kind of have a chance to give back a little bit and and maybe help somebody else or just just have someone think a little bit differently about other options or stimulate, you know, maybe this might work with my team or maybe I can have this for a future team. Um, it's been awesome. So um, I appreciate the opportunity and, and it's made me better too to really evaluate all the details of what we're doing and and how we're installing and, and making sure we're on point with that stuff. So no, it's it's been really neat. So it's been kind of like a performance review almost for you, hasn't it? Like in terms of deep diving. A hundred percent, definitely a performance review and making sure, you know, even for our new players, it's been nice to put it together as they come into the program, we can share it with them and and we've got to make sure every little detail is right. You know, my 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 youngest son's in kindergarten right now. And, and I told my assistant, we have to do this like we're doing it kindergarten, right? Like, and it's it's been good for us to really uh, unify our terminology and make sure it's simple. And then once we get that base done, build upon it. And so, yeah, 100% like a performance review and and really made us better at it ourselves. Well, one of the reasons I was attracted to it, because it's a little bit different in terms of its approach. And I love that. And uh Let's maybe first start with a bit of an overview of what is the 212 pressure zone defense. Yeah, so it, it is not your traditional zone defense. And that's how I always like to start. You know, people think zone and they think two, three middle school zone defense. And we are not doing that. I, I think that goes against our personality um, for us here as, as coaches and, and our players. So it is an extended 212 zone defense. It's still in the half court, but our, our defense pickup point is closer to where your volleyball line would be on most courts. Um, so kind of between the three-point line and the half-court line. 
um, are we, we call the center position. He's about uh, he's the middle of the two one two. He's the one of the two one two. He's about fifteen feet between the ball uh, or fifteen feet between the ball and the basket. Um, and then our we have two guys more protecting the rim in what we call are the forward positions. But um, to really simplify it, it's just we are extended. We are in passing lanes. We're giving the offense different looks. Um, and, and it's just not traditional. And I think that's what makes it good. Um, we had never really played against anything like it, um, but we had kind of seen some people in a similar alignment before. And then through trial and error for us, through practice, through just having some individual players use their own instincts, we kind of morphed this into our 2-1-2 pressure zone defense. And it's been super effective for us. And I think the stats have, have uh, embodied that. And, and um, we're, we're very pleased with how it's been for our, our program. Well, I love that aspect of it. Uh, obviously, it's aggressive. It's it's adaptable. And I think particularly if you think about a high school coach, I mean, a lot of coaches teach zone one because it simplifies teaching defense, doesn't it? But then two, one of the problems is you can't necessarily be adaptable and adjust to the game situations, especially with so many states still not having shot clock. So talk to us a little bit about that advantage. I mean, simple to teach, but also very adaptable. A hundred percent. And that's a big reason why we like it so much is that it gives those different options. So zone, we can trap, we can press and fall back into it. Uh, we have all these different options. Another a concern I think I had with the zone defense was how do we stop an individual player? Well, the two, one, two is set up where we can easily trap on the wing. We can trap on top. We can trap in the lane. Uh, we have all these different options that we can use. Um, we had some effectiveness this past season in trapping across half court. Um, we can adapt where we can go zone to man in the same possession. It's not very difficult because of how our rotations are built and and how our center position, the one in the two one two, is really playing the drive. And so it's easy when they drive the ball for us to morph to man defense in the same possession. Um, all these different options that we have, uh, we we can mix our looks. We can have one guy up and one back and do more like a traditional tandem two three zone sometimes. Um, all these different things, and they're not hard to teach. I think the hardest part is just figuring out how you're going to term them, you know, and and how you're going to do that. But the install on those things, once you have the base, it's really easy. And for us, it's allowed us to spend much more time on offense and practice, um, which I know our players like more. Um, and I think we've become a better shooting offensive team because of that. And so, um, yeah, it's the adaptable part was big for us, and and it's proven effective. Well, and I imagine it makes it more fun for you. Because you get to focus more on game strategies and game interventions and, you know, scouting specific situations rather than, again, this is our system and that's it. And whatever happens, happens. No doubt about it. It's, it's made it so much more enjoyable for me as a coach. And I was very hesitant at first. I mean, I, I grew up in Indiana, right? Like you play man-to-man -man defense. That's what you do um, if, if you're going to be an Indiana guy. And so it, when we made the switch um, a few years ago, we were hesitant at first. Um, but man, I don't regret it for a second. And it's made us different. It's made us unique. Our guys really love playing it. They're aggressive. They're in passing lanes. Um, I, I think they really feel like they're disrupting the offense. And um, and yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to coach. And we get to coach the things that most of us enjoy the most. And it's, it's offensive things. And uh, we're not spending all of preseason on ball screen coverages and, you know, doing all this kind of stuff, how we're going to help the helper and do all those things. It is our the few things we normally see against zone. Um, adapting once we see what the offense is going to do for that game. and But, yeah, it's been a pleasure to coach, and, and our guys really enjoy it too. Well, before we get into some of the more of the details, maybe let's let's just go back. I mean, first of all, your university also almost canceled the season, or did cancel the season, actually. So talk about that, taking over a program which literally was starting at the bottom 
and then having to build it and then how this zone connected with that rebuild. About it. So we, um, yeah, we took over a program that had to cancel a season at the midway point. And I had never heard of anything like that. Um, and I think it's really rare in basketball, maybe in a few other sports that are, are, are less in the participation numbers, but not in basketball. And um, it was really a unique situation. So we, we came in and, and got a start from scratch. But, you know, Chris, it was awesome, right? Like, it, rarely do you get to start something from scratch. And so we had some holdover players. We brought in our own players. And, and we were really starting like a brand new program. And so we had to first establish all the habits, the cultural things, how we're going to work, how hard we're going to play. And I felt like that was just year one altogether, being on time, how we interact with officials, what is our bench energy going to be like, like all those things that just make your program what it is. Um, that, that was a full year process. And then after that, we were able to start working in this pro the process of what do we want to look like on the floor and honing in on those things. And um, for our place, we're, we're a higher academic place. Um, we're maybe not as athletic as the people we play, um, or maybe we're not as tall, or maybe we, we just we, we have deficiencies based on our institution, and those shouldn't have to hold us back on the floor. And so then we started thinking, well, what can make us different than everybody else we play? And, and the first thing was the, the defense. What the, This can make us different. It can make us a different scout. And then we came back to what gives us the chance to beat the best people on our schedule. And is that us lining up just like them, man-to-man -man defense, us versus you, and let's see what happens. And we had some really good wins early, but it, it was just like we didn't think that gave us a chance to be the best we could possibly be. So then it was let's go all in on the zone defense. And, um, man, it, it's made us different. It's given us a chance to beat people that maybe we were not supposed to on paper, um, kept us in a lot of games, and really given us a niche where now people uh, know us for it. And we've even had some of our guys – get hired by high schools as coaches because of the zone defense, right? Like it gives them a chance, hey, they can come in and teach it or they, they've gotten known because of it. And so, and we didn't do it for those reasons to start, but um, it's just been a byproduct. But I really like how it's made us different and um, it's been effective for us. And it was part of that transition of going from starting from scratch to, to making us who we are now. And at least we think this is just about trying to compete when you're, say, under undermanned or whatever it may be. There are a lot of programs that have adapted this that are really good programs, too, that have adapted it for other reasons. So can you talk a little bit about that side of it, too? Yes, 100 percent. We've had some of the best teams, uh, even some people that we have played, have gone back after they played us and have adapted it, you know, after the fact. Um, I, I think the, the bigger and taller you are, right, like the more space you can take up and it can be effective there, too. We've had some Division One programs that we've played, you know, maybe in our exhibition games or whatever that are after the fact have said, hey, like. Can we can we install something similar for our conference tournament or, or whatever, you know, so I think it's everything from middle school coaches that have reached out to us and want to do it or, or even even less than that, if, if they want to all the way up to you know, the highest levels of, of college basketball. And so and everywhere in between. And and I think it has enough flexibility where you can morph it to how it fits your team. Right. Like you don't have to do it exactly how we do it. Um, you can maybe do, you know, go. Uh, handle penetration a little bit different or decide, hey, I want to do this a little different in a ball screen. But those general concepts, I think, go from all gamuts and, and all different levels. And I think it's been proven to be effective, you know, at those levels. Well, what's amazing, too, is the, the videos. I mean, it, it's rare in my mind to see videos that you can actually implement the material immediately. It's not like I need to go search out more. This is the install to the solving the problems, to the solutions, to everything in between. 
with film sessions and all that other stuff. And uh, I'm really proud of what you put together for all of us to be able to, again, not have to just get 40 minutes of a clinic, but a whole system that we can adapt immediately. And that's 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 got to be a big goal for what you tried to put together, isn't it? We were trying our best, Chris, and it's not hard. Like, that's the thing. It's not hard. It's just different. And so for our, especially like at the guard position, we'll just take that for example, the the, the rotations and the movements are just different than they, what, what they've done in the past, but it's not hard. It's not hard to comprehend. It's just our guys, you know, for our guys, they build up these basketball habits their whole life. And so now we're asking them to do those habits just a little bit differently. And that's what makes the zone really effective. And so it's just repetition and then it's using constraints and playing live and and just figuring it out. Right. Like and, and, and that's a big part of it. But it's not hard. And, and I don't want coaches to be off, you know, to look at it and be like, man, there's no way I can do this and be overwhelmed. It's not difficult. It's just it's it's repetition. It's it's just breaking some of those basketball habits. And we do that a variety of ways. We do it through you know, some some on air breakdown, not a lot, but just a little bit to start breaking those habits. And then it's film and then it's playing with constraints and then it's playing live and it's film again. And it's just working through that stuff. But we, we try to give all the steps to do that, to make it as simple as possible, because, um, you, you know, like we, we can't teach it unless we know it. And so we want the coaches to know it first, to be comfortable and then be able to teach it to their players. And and, and man, I mean, it's just the guys just I can't stress enough how much they enjoy playing with it and, and getting steals. And we went from. Last, we were a pack line defensive team. We didn't turn anybody over. We were, but we were really good in the gap. We walled up. We we were we were solid, but we went from that to the zone, and we led the league in turnovers. We were aggressive. We were much more fun to watch. I mean, all those things went hand to hand, and I think it's helped us in recruiting. You know, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, we try to make it as simple as possible, um, so you can install. And we didn't hold anything back either. I, I had some other coaches that we played against. They were kind of like, "Why would you do that?" And and I think. I still remember as a young coach, I, anytime I asked the coaches that I respected that they were that were good, they never hesitated to share. And, and I feel like maybe it's just our small chance to try to give a little something back. If we could help anybody, um, I think that'd be pretty neat. So we didn't hold anything back and gave everything that we had. OK, so you gave some of the statistics. So, so give us some impressions yeah. of kind of what type of analytics kind of support this system in terms of how you're doing. it. So I, I think the first thing we looked at and. and over the last couple of years, we were really surprised by how few number of teams play zone defense. So, you know, we tried to do the math through synergy. And, and a couple of years ago, we did the math and I, I wrote it down to make sure I kind of get it right. But I, we take all three NCAA divisions and we just did that because that's kind of our realm. So you probably got a thousand men ba men's basketball schools in division one, two or three. And then we said, how many of those schools play 50 plus percent of their possessions in zone defense? So over half the game, they're playing zone defense. We would categorize that as a zone defensive team. And they were only like 49 out of that 1,000. So that, that's how few there were. And we were really surprised by that. And so we're like, well, wow, that's going to make us different and maybe a little harder to prepare for and do that. And then, so we took those 49 teams after our first year of really doing this. And then we ended up being first in points per possession of those 49 teams, points per possession allowed defensively. And that's a metric that, you know, we use to kind of judge how we're doing defensively. And so um, and then we went just in our conference, which at that time was like 14 schools. And then we were like, how did we do in our league? And we were top three in every defensive category. Um, and so we were like, man, like this, this is really working for us. And then we thought, well, can we sustain this when the newness wears off? But it, it's twofold, right? Like the offenses maybe that we played against got more comfortable with it, but then we got better at it too. The more we repped it, the more we saw different things. We went against teams that were bigger than us in division one. We went against smaller teams that 
just try to jack threes every time. Like we saw these, so we got better at it too. And we've consistently been in the top three defensively in our conference. We've consistently been in the top three of all those teams that just played zone defense. And so, um, yeah, those statistics have really panned out for us. Um, and, and I think where we've seen the biggest jump is what I kind of said earlier. The turnovers forced have been really good for us. That's changed dramatically. We fouled a bunch less. And then a lot of people worry about zone defense, three-pointers, right? Like giving up uh, wide open threes and living and dying on the threes. Well, our zone is like we close out past the offensive guys, wanting them to put it on the floor. We're trying to force those most inefficient mid-range jump shots is the goal. And so we're not saying, hey, we're playing zone, go shoot threes. Like we're, we're not doing that. We're, we're being really aggressive in our closeouts, trying to make people put it on the floor, shoot those mid-range jump shots. And so our hope is to, you know, force them into the most inefficient mid-range jumpers and then us, you know, continuing to be really good defensively and, and limiting shots at the basket and open three. So, and it's panned out in, in the numbers and we've had smaller teams some years, we've had longer teams some years, and it's still been pretty consistent throughout. So we've been, we've been really pleased with it. Well, you referenced experiencing playing against different styles and different types of teams and different profiles of players. And that's a little bit of an advantage in you developing this defense and getting it to this level playing at Division Three, you're just going to face a really diverse type of uh, opponent and player almost every time. And uh, as you said, playing against variable levels from Division Two to Division One to NAIA, you just get these opportunities to be able to experience different things. And that's got to make the defense stronger for you to be able to understand and then obviously be able to adjust it. It, it really has. And, and coaches are so good at every level, you know, like, I mean, it's, we go play the Division Ones, we go play people in our league, and they always have stuff, different things. But what I've liked about the zone is that regardless of how people want to disguise or do it, we normally see the same kinds of things against zone. People either want to go high-low, they want a ball screen, they want to try to lob sometimes, um, they might try to pass and cut a little bit, but it's normally those same concepts that start different ways. And so we found as our guys get deeper into it and they play it more, they can really pick up those on those concepts on their own. And we get to script those concepts in practice where one of the things we'll do in practice is I'll have my assistant coach with a clipboard at half court and he'll just draw the different things that we'll see. And then our guys will have to guard those things. And, and, and so they get used to being able to recognize those things on their own and they can adjust. And, and so um, I've liked that about it. And we've seen some unique things. We've seen people, you know, like I said, try to shoot a three every single possession. And, and, and we've seen people try to put a bunch of big guys around the basket and just play bully ball at the rim. And, and, but we were really able to adjust quickly. I feel like, um, and, and simulating that in practice helps a lot too, but, but yeah, it's, it's been really neat to see it evolve against different defenses. And I cannot really remember the last time. And we can't, we couldn't think of one after this past season where we've sat in the coach's office after the game and be like, man, our, our zone really got us beat tonight. It wasn't that it was either, Hey, we turned it over a little too much. We missed a couple free throws. It has not been that ever. And, and it, we always talk about how it comes in ebbs and flows too. You know, the averages kind of play out and do those things. Um, there have been times where maybe we start in the zone defense and, and they, they've they been working on it all week, the team we're playing against. So they're, they, they, they're, they're decent against it early on or had some success. And then maybe out of that first media timeout, we're going to say, hey, we're going to trap. We're going to make this adjustment. And then we go back to our base zone. And it's always better when we go back to it. You know, it's, it's a 40-minute game for a reason for us. And those ebbs and flows we're not going to get caught up with. I think one of the biggest challenges for me when we switched to the zone was not having that knee-jerk reaction. It's like, Oh, they they hit their first two threes and they were super contested, but they hit them. And like everybody in the stands, you know, is itching and, and they're like, man, why, why, why is coaching zone? Like, all that kind of stuff, right? Like, and, and we we have to trust it and know that, hey, like we have really good habits in this and we played really good defense. They just hit a tough contested three over our hand. And, and if we do that consistently over the game, 
I mean, it's going to even itself out. And and those ebb and flows always, you know, have, have proven themselves out statistically and how our team has played. And so um, I would just encourage any coach that goes to do it just to, to really be confident in themselves, be confident in the work their team has put in and not have those knee jerk reactions if somebody, you know, hits their first two threes. I mean, that's not it's a long game for a reason and, and to really stick with it. Trust it and do it better, right? Like if something's happening, the biggest adjustment is obviously to just do it better and trust it over time. Uh, and we'll get back to adjustments in a second, but um, uh, you're well-versed in basketball immersion concepts because you said two things there, constraints and figure it out. And uh, I just want to go back to those things because I want you to touch on those in the context of your practice and developing this zone. Because I think a lot of times people don't associate figure it out as much on defense. But for me, it's actually where it's most applicable, isn't it? Oh. And I'm glad you brought that up. It's 100% applies. And the biggest thing guys are going to want to do when you install any new defense, I think, and or, or players, any new defense, and especially with our defense, we've seen it too, is they're going to want to ask a thousand questions. It's going to be like, you're going to install this. They're going to say, what happens if this guy does this, or this guy does this, and this guy does this? So for us, the first couple of days of install, I'm like, if you have a question, you can go ask an assistant like on the on the side if you need to real quick, but we are not stopping practice to do this if all this kind of stuff. Because once you get these habits built and we're, we're going to rep it enough, I mean, you're going to figure it out on your own and you're going to make these things. One other thing I like a lot is asking our older guys because, you know, we're not really allowed to be there, open gym and do that kind of stuff. But we have our, I tell our older guys, make sure we're playing zone defense some in open gym. You have new guys maybe, like so right now we haven't started practice yet officially, but we're getting ready to do that. But our guys are already going to play some open gym zone defense and our new guys aren't going to know that our zone defense yet it's going to be brand new to them but they can at least start that process of figuring it out and they're going to know hey if, if i'm not in the right spot or i'm not working hard or i'm not outside the three-point line where i'm supposed to be well i'm going to give up a wide open layup or a wide open skip or whatever a wide open high, po high, high post pass and so um we're big on figuring it out working through that um having guys communicate with each other we'll we'll do some stuff in practice where it's they've got to get three stops in a row and and we're not going to correct like I'm going to be quiet and I want, they have to bring the energy. They have to talk to each other. They need to huddle and make that adjustment just like they would in a game when they're at second half opposite of my bench down there and they got to huddle before a free throw. They have to figure it out. And, and I think they take more ownership in the defense and pride when we can do that. Um, and we love the constraint stuff. And we stole a lot of that stuff from, from you and, and from listening to this stuff. I mean, it's we'll play six on five in practice. We'll play five on five where only certain guys can drive it or we'll have five on five and the offense will designate a bonus point guy. And we'll simulate that that's the best player on the other team. So if he, if he gets a, a bucket, you know, he's going to, it's going to be worth double. And so we're going to make sure we might work on our trapping of that guy or making sure we're even more aggressive in our closeouts. Um, we'll do, you know, I mean, all kinds of different stuff, certain actions and, and just many ways we can put constraints on our defense so they can figure it out and get better. And we found that's the best way to teach it, filming those things too, and going back and watching it. Uh, the next day is is a great a great thing for us. I think it's hard sometimes in the zone because your individual position is so different to to be able to really understand how it's all working together. And we feel like film's a really good teacher for that. Um, and and, and I, I know a lot of coaches don't have big stats. I don't have a big staff. The iPads with the fishbowl, like we don't have to even have to have a human being. We can film that thing, watch it the next day, and it works great. So I, this is the stuff I'm talking about is not limited to Division One staffs. I mean, I think. Anybody can do these things and, and put the time in. But yes, the constraints and guys figuring it out is a big part of it. Um, and I just think it, it builds the camaraderie of the defense too. Well, people can't see me, but I'm smiling because uh, like I'm, I'm proud to hear coaches speak this way. 
And I find that's one of the hardest things when I work with different types of clients or people kind of are exposed to our ideas for the first time. This concept of not teaching all the technical or tactical information at the beginning, but rather give them this structure for them to kind of figure things out on their own. Because you can always add the details later, right? And that that's seems right. to be one of the hardest things. Coaches want to go into practice and give all the details right away and basically make it like a coaching clinic. But then that doesn't give space for self-discovery, space for figuring it out. And, and again, space for your players to come to you with solutions that maybe you didn't know in advance. And uh, there is time, isn't it? Even if it's rough at the beginning, there's time to get it right, isn't it? And I love how you, I think you said one time too, and, and it really stuck with me. And I even, I'm going to talk to our guys about this before for first practice. Like this is going to look messy. Like it's going to look messy sometimes. Like it, it's not going to be a coaching clinic and that's okay. And some of the adjustments that we've been able to make with the zone defense have come from individual guys, just their instincts where we can give them a little flexibility. And I don't want our zone to be rigid. Like as long as they're playing with, with great effort and energy and they're working together, like there, I can bend on a few things, right? Like I, I can see what they're they're seeing, I can see what they're reading, but it is not this. Every time this happens, you must do this, right? Like our goal is to not give up a basket, and and, and if it looks a little different than what I have on my whiteboard to do that, that's okay. Like we we still got the stop, and I think that's the most important thing um, for us and letting guys figure that out. But that 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 was a transition for me because early on I was like, hey, like I I remember walking back with our assistant, be like, man, that's a that practice did not look good today, right? Like, but it doesn't have to look good every day. It's are we getting better? Are the guys having growth? Um, are they coming together in those things and, and figuring it out some on their own? And and uh, the the one reason why our zone has been so good is that ownership piece. And I do think them figuring it out on their own, having to work through things together. I mean, they their energy, collective energy, when they get the stop on their own without me having to dictate what what they need to do. I mean, it's just so much more uplifting. They have more energy. They have more juice. Um, and that makes it, makes it a lot more enjoyable for me, you know, as, as a coach. Hey, coach. A brief time out from the podcast to bring you the Analytics Minute, sponsored by Hoopsalytics. Do you know which players should be taking what kind of shots? An analytics system like Hoopsalytics can help your team make better shot selection decisions. You can track every kind of shot each player takes, where the shots come from, rate the shot quality, track if the shot was contested, and see the results. For example, see which players are taking mid-range floaters and measure the results versus catch-and-shoot jumpers. As an added bonus, Hoopsalytics shot charts are fully interactive, so you can filter by shot distance, shot type, or even specific areas of the floor. Then watch video clips of all those shots or see the points per shot. Hoopsalytics brings the most powerful analytics to teams of all levels. It's easy to use and affordable. It's like AI for basketball coaches. Visit hoopsalytics.com ball today. That's H-O-O-P-S-A-L-Y-T-I-C-S dot com slash ball today to learn more and start analyzing your game for free. We've got to repeat that. The goal is to get a stop. <laughs> That's, <laughs> it's absolutely that. It, it doesn't matter if they close out exactly the way that you rep it every day in practice or they memorize or repeat exactly what you do in practice. So the adaptability and all that's a part of it. And the other part I want to add to this is I just got back from the University of Missouri, spent some time with them, and they do a lot of our concepts as well. And they call it structured freedom in terms of their offense. And that's how I would describe your defense too. It's structured freedom, isn't it? I like that. I'm going to have to steal that. 100% it is. Structured freedom is right. Um, and you know, you earn that freedom, right? Like by how hard you play in those habits. 
Now, if, if you're out there not playing hard and not communicating and not doing some of those intangible things, then maybe you have a little less of that freedom. But 100 percent is structured freedom. And and I think that's when it's at its best. That allows us to morph to the offense. I think, you know, something I've, I, I'm really proud of our guys and what they can do is I feel like anytime we and I mentioned a little bit earlier at the start of the game, we always see the other team's best stuff. Right. Like they've been scouting. They know what's coming. They're going to have their best stuff for us in those first four minutes. And so our guys, if they've been so good at being able to adapt before we have that media timeout after four minutes to adapt before the media timeout, they don't have to wait for me to have them in the huddle and be like, hey, these are the changes they can make. They're already having those conversations because we've read those things in practice. I also like, you know, to to give them, you know, also let the, give the offense freedom sometimes in practice, too. And some of the best things that we see defensively are against ourselves who has to go against the defense all the time. They find some softer spots where we have to make adjustments. And so I'll give the point guard the whiteboard and say, hey, you draw up what you guys want to do. And, and they come up with some different creative things. And then our defense has to adjust. And they enjoy that practice more. It's fun. They're, they're, they're kind of help coaching themselves. And um, But, yeah, structure, freedom for sure. And um, I just think it, think it makes them better. Um, and, and they can do make some more adjustments on the fly, which which has really helped our program. Well, I love that point. I was going to ask you about that, about how it impacts your offense and your offensive teaching. And uh, that reminds me of uh, Andy Reid and uh, quarterback on That's Netflix right. where Patrick Mahomes and, you know, the players are allowed yeah. to invent their own plays and create their own plays. And it just seems like That's such a great part of coaching nowadays with this progressive coaching that we can give players, we can empower players, we can trust players. And again, if it doesn't work, it's not a big panic. It's just something that was an experience that can help us all improve. That's right. And, and if it takes 10 minutes longer in practice, that's OK. Like I, I you know, I used to be early on, too, and, and, and that kind of stuff where it's like, man, we've got to be so rigid. We've got to get everything in this certain time constraint. And we got 10 minutes for this, 10 minutes for this. And if we don't get to this, like the world's going to end and we're going to be a bad basketball team. And, and I feel like the buy in and the growth that comes from the stuff that we're talking about is worth so much more than the extra 10 minutes of ball handling or whatever we needed. Right. Like. I mean, is, is that really going to make or break us or is this going to help our team become even better? And they're both good in certain settings, but we feel like those growth moments, even if they take a little bit longer, it's not as quick when my assistant has this and he's done like they're trying to figure it out on their own. I have to give them time to do that. I have to give them time to huddle and talk through something real quick or and we might rep it a little bit longer because it's not as perfect and they are working those things out together. But the growth that comes from that. I feel like has been so much more beneficial for our group. It's made our defense better, like we talked about. And, and you mentioned our offense. And our zone offense has has graded out really good too. Um, ever since we went to this defense, and because our guys are, and we don't, we have less zone calls than we used to have. Like we're able to play through that structured freedom in zone offense because our guys know how to how to attack a zone. Because when we're competing in practice and keeping score, they better figure it out. They're going to get beat. And so that's been a good part of of making our zone offense better too. So the old saying that uh, pressing teams don't like to get pressed or zone teams don't like to play against zone. I mean, that's not true because again, you should be figuring it out in practice right. actually some better ways. Um, that's great. And then I love that point that you basically said about uh, you're going to get the opponent's best stuff in the first few minutes of the game. We used to always phrase that to our players about sometimes going on the road against a really good team that we need to survive the first five minutes. That's and then right. after that, you know, if we do, then we have a chance and that type that's of mentality. Right. And uh, that's a great part of this defense is obviously your adaptability that goes with that, isn't it? No doubt. And we I, I was sitting with a coach we played against um, in a non-conference game. We were out recruiting this past summer and he was talking about it and he was just asking some questions about the zone. And I was asking him some questions about his program and really good, you know, kind of growth time for both of us. And 
And he he had talked about, you know, he's like, we had three calls against your zone and we loved them all. And he was like, but after the first four minutes, you guys had morphed to those three calls. And so last late in the game, he, he's trying to draw something up on a whiteboard. And he's just like, we'd already used the three that we had. And so they were trying to do traditional zone and do all those kind of things. And it's just like, it was hard. So I like that part about it too. It gives us like late game and all that kind of stuff. Like we can stick with it. It's still, it's, you know, a lot, a lot of coaches have their stuff they like to keep in their back pocket for the end of game or, you know, special situations kind of stuff. And well, not many people this time of year are doing all their special situations and late game stuff against the zone defense, but they're going to have 10 plus for man, man defense. Right. And so I like that part about it too. The stuff that they've been, they're working on in October, September, uh, September, October, November, they're probably not doing their stuff for zone defense. And so we have that element of our defense too, which I like. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really, you know, I think limited what we have to scout for. And we, we talked a little about scout, but our scouting's gotten a lot simpler too, um, which I like a lot about it. And we're just, who are the shooters who can't really shoot? And we don't even spend a lot of time on that. These are the two or three things I think we'll see. Now let's go focus on us. Let's get us better. And um, I've really enjoyed that part about it too. And I think our guys have too. They're, they're, they don't have to sit through those long film sessions. They just get out there and, and do what they enjoy doing, which is playing basketball. They definitely love that. Um, and, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier about your players. And, and one of the challenges with zone is obviously sometimes players don't like playing zone. It's not as exciting. It's not as engaging. But your players enjoy playing this defense. Can you just talk about uh, player satisfaction? Yeah, no doubt. I think that the number one negative when zone defense, when somebody asked me about our zone, is the negative stereotype that you mentioned. So how do we dispel that? And we just we just put it out in the open. Like We don't try to hide from it. We have to talk about it in recruiting all the time when a family comes. They're like, what do you do on defense? And I'm like, we play zone defense, but throw out everything you ever thought about zone defense and let me talk to you about what we do and, and tell you how it's different. So um, so yeah, player buy-in, and obviously it's not going to work without that either. And so I think it's it's twofold. It's us having constant conversation with the entire group about why this is different, why it's going to be effective, how much you're going to enjoy playing it. And then we are constantly having smaller conversations. Right now, it's only with our new players because our returners are bought in. But it's those individual conversations of just like, hey, are you, you know, Noah, are you, you, you understand why we're doing this? Are you enjoying this? You see why it could be good? Um, those constant conversations help for buy-in. And then for us, when we first install it, especially with our new guys, I, I do not give any offensive help at all. So I want them to experience some small victories because normally, and I normally put our new guys on offense first. And so, and it's a smaller thing that I think has made a difference for us. So I take the new guys that have never played against it, put them on offense first. Don't tell them what to do. Just tell them to go, go try to score. And so our defense, our newer guys on defense can kind of get some smaller victories, get some confidence. They get some turnovers to just help build that base because it is so new for them. Um, but I, I've really been surprised and pleasantly surprised with our newcomer, all of our newcomers every year. They love the freshness and newness of it. I think they get a little worn down throughout their whole basketball life. They've done, what, for better or worse, they've done four-on-four four shell drill. They've done closeout drill. A billion you know, closeouts. A billion closeouts, <laughs> a billion ball screen coverage. So it's like, man, this is fresh. This is different. I love it. You know, it's fun. And so that's that's been a really cool benefit that I didn't really anticipate that that we've seen through our program. Yeah, that's such a great point that goes with that uh, for sure. And then uh, talk to me a little bit as well about uh, coaches that want to maintain a certain pace of play on offense and how some zones, you know, don't necessarily align with that. But this zone does. So talk to us a little bit about that. No doubt. So it's been good. You can um, first we, it's easy to press and fall back into it. Um, we, we two, two, one press is what we do. And I think that works great for it. It's an easy fallback. 
And then you can, you know, pressure as much as you want in that. You can trap in that. Um, but no, it is not a somebody can hold the ball close to the timeline and just say, hey, I'm going to hold it and, you know, run the clock down or wait the end of shot clock, those kind of things. And it's really easy for us to mix our pressure levels as well. And so if it's somebody that we want to speed up, we can dial it up and extend even farther. If it's somebody we want to slow down, we can pull back just a little bit. And then we never pull back all the way to traditional 2-3 zone that you see. all like, we're not that. But we can mix those different levels. Um, and I like that we can do those different levels against different players. So certain guys we can pull back a little bit. Other guys we can really press up on. Um, and so that flexibility makes all the difference in the world. But no, our, our pace of play has actually gone up from this. Um, which has helped. And another benefit we haven't talked much about that, that I think has really helped, it has helped our transition offense. So it's allowed us to push faster too. If you think about a 2-1-2 alignment, like I described earlier, we normally have our two, quote, smaller guys, our guards, um, extended outside that three-point line close to where the volleyball line would be. And those guys are never getting sucked in under the basket. And so they're always in great outlet position. Um, one of them's always in great position to run and, and go space the floor. We like to do some of the two-sided break stuff, too. And so that's easy to get out and flow. Um, but we're never getting our guards stuck inside the lane um, because of how the defense rotates and does those things. We've also, you know, forced a lot of those mid-range jump shots, which lead the longer rebounds and allow us to run out. But having more defined defensive positions, kind of where you're at in starting spots, has made our transition offense a lot easier to flow. So our pace of play, pace of play has actually increased when we went to the zone defense because of what we can do defensively and how it's helped our transition offense. So immersionvideos.com and the basketballzonedefense.com, the 212 pressure zone defense mastery series. Since we've released it, what are some of the questions that have really challenged you to think about the answer um, that have helped you improve as a coach, but also have been really insightful? Because I know you've got so many coaches reaching out yeah. since they bought it kind of asking for like really, really intriguing details that I know have inspired you to kind of even dive deeper. It, it has been great, the, the amount of outreach and be able to connect and, and do those things. Even some of the coaches that I, I've never known before, we have mutual connections maybe or all that. It's, it's, been, it's been so cool. And the coaching community is awesome and, and it's been great. But um, yeah, we, we've got a wide array of questions, everything from like, what's the downside to doing this? which my response is nothing really. Like if you teach it right and you go all in, I, I can't think of the downside um, to, can I do this as just a mix-up defense? And for us, that's how it started for us. And we were pretty good at it. And then when we went all in, we got really good at it. Um, I think it can be a mix-up defense for you. I think it's a way, because it's simple enough to install and do, um, I, I think you can do it as a mix-up defense and, and see if you like it. You can still have your base man-to-man -man if you want. Um, I, I think the one challenge and what I've told people is, now, I think it's hard to say, hey, I'm going to do this as a mix-up defense and I'm going to do a traditional 2-3. I think that's a little difficult, uh, but I, I, I don't – I'm obviously really biased. I don't know why you'd want to do a traditional 2-3 once you get exposed to this and, and can do this. I just think it's got – you know, you can get the same benefits by being even more aggressive and forcing turnovers and doing all those kind of things. So um, I've had people ask me, you know, simple questions about – or getting in the weeds about ball screens and ball screens in the middle and ball screens on the side and – it's really allowed us to reinforce those things about why we do this, why, and it, people really asking the why. And so that's great for me because my guys are going to ask that and I'm going to want to tell them the why. And so they're at, why do you do this? How are you better rebounding? Well, one way we're better rebounding is we have our one in the two, one, two, always work to the backside when the shot's in the air, because we know those 70% of those shots are going backside. And so 
We're not as worried about him getting a box out responsibility. We want him to go be the rebounder. We want everybody else to box out. Just little details like that, um, that, you know, we do cover in the video, but it's even more, you know, about really getting in the weeds and doing it. Um, but no, it's I, I, all those questions that, that coaches have asked have been great and really helped uh, me reinforce um, why we do what we do. And I tell you what's been even more gratifying are the people that have done it and they're like, coach, I love it. And I'm like, man, that's awesome. That's great. You know, and and um, that's been really satisfying and a really cool experience. I've got a few of those emails and texts and one particular from an AAU coach, you know, who obviously has a short prep time and stuff like that, yeah. but wanted to be aggressive and really loved it. So I hope I assume they reached out to you as well. But, uh, um, you know, you mentioned being adaptable and, and like you cover this well in the video. So because I think one of the sticking points with zones sometimes is personnel. Like, but I have yeah. this profile player there, this profile player there and this is this is. No, no, we're beyond that, right? And you talk yes. about, obviously, the adaptability and the adjustability of your personnel. So give us an insight in terms of that. No doubt. We, we've put we've put one of our smaller guys as the one before in the 2-1-2, right? Which in a traditional 2-3, your biggest guy is the middle of the three, right? Like he's your big guy just at the basket. Well, for us, we I mean, last year we were repping our point guard in that position, right? Who's kind of in the one because he's wide, he's active, he's moving, right? He's working hard. And so... Yes, you have that adaptability, which I really like. It allows you to have different combinations on offense, too. We're not as worried about, hey, this is what we have to play this lineup on defense, so that's going to hurt us on offense because we had to do this on defense. No, it's we're not um, constricted by those things. Uh, we've been able to put smaller guys more around the basket, bigger guys up top. We put our big 6'8 kid as one of the top two guys because he's up there. He's so long. Now, now you got to try to pass over him, you know, all those things. So, it's it's on us. Now, when we teach it and we talk about it in the video, I do think it's important you learn one position first and then you go to the next one. But it is very realistic for guys to learn multiple positions. It's just you you learn one first and then you go to the second one. Well, what I do not do is, is put one guy on the top in, in the same practice, then teach him the bottom all in the same day. Like I think his head just gets spinning because it's what we talked about again. It's not hard. It's just different. And so we're trying to build these habits that are breaking some that you've had your whole life. And it's not hard to build those or break those. It just takes a little bit of time and repetition and film. And so once they get one position, then maybe the next week we do the second position or a couple practices later. But the interchangeability has really helped us. It's been good for us. And um, I don't think we could have done it without because for us on offense, we want to be able to play small, play big, play, you know, five guards. We want to have that flexibility. And so if we had a defense that wouldn't let us do that, we wouldn't be able to run it. But this defense has allowed us to have that flexibility on offense, and it's been a big part of, of why we stuck with it, and it's been good. Do you change those personnel within the game sometimes, too, about where they are located based yes, on, again, what 100%. your opponent's doing? Yeah. No doubt about it. Yeah, we'll be able to change them based on the opponent. We'll be able to change them on based on if we substitute and go small, we're going to shift you from the top to the bottom. Um, we, we will sometimes shift on baseline out of bounds, too. Um, if they're trying to do some stuff there, we can shift just for one possession on baseline out of bounds. We call that a break defense for us. So we'll say, um, let's say we've been doing our basic defense and then we're going to break it for one possession. So we're going to break and do this and then we're going to go back. So we just kind of we, we kind of ask our guys to visualize, hey, we're doing this defense over and over. Let's break the line one time, do this. And then we're back on the line. So that'll be a break defense. We might do it for one possession. It might be out of timeout. We knew they tried to draw something up. So we're going to put all our tall guys on top and all the small guys on the bottom. And we're going to kind of just you know, throw them off that way. And that'll be a break for one possession. We're going to do that. And so, yes, that, that flexibility and um, you know, being able to change things is, is a big plus. I, I love that phrasing, the break it 
you know, because I, I think that you get that question commonly from players is like, are we in this the whole time? If say we yes. go zone out of bounds or everything's like that, but it's, it's just a one possession thing, unless we tell you That's otherwise right. that applies to constraints too. And I don't know if you find that with your players that when you put it in a constraint and then you go to another type of constraint, they think the other constraint still exists. And I say, it's only a constraint if we say it's a constraint. And then you try and figure out if they can figure it out because it's like, okay, we can only shoot threes. Well, that was the last game, but not this game. But then you find some not figuring it out right away. Um, anything else that kind of stands out in terms of kind of how you practice this zone in kind of unique or adaptable ways for other coaches? You know, I mean, it's for practice for us, like, we try to do the defense together in practice. I know that's a smaller thing too. Um, so we maybe do the first hour of defense and I know it's a little more block practicing, but I think it's been good to go from one to the other. So if we're doing one constraint, I like to move basically what you just talked about, one constraint to the next constraint. So they can kind of start stacking those on top of each other, those same kind of habits and doing that instead of us doing one constraint and then going to another one at the end. Now we'll do that sometimes when we get really good, but when we're trying to build it early in the season. I like them to be able to stack on top of each other. Um, so maybe our constraints get more and more restrictive or more and more challenging, more and more difficult. Um, I mean, there, there, there are times we'll go to seven on five, right? Seven offensive players. And I want all seven crashing the glass. And it goes back to figure it out, right? Like, so I want that aggressive part of it. And I, I, and I, tell, I tell our guys, I want you to visualize we're eight hours away on the road and there's no whistle. It's everything is just football under the rim. And I want you to find a way to win it. And we're not going to make excuses about it, but let's figure it out and find a way. And so, and we're not doing that initially when we're installing, but we want to work towards those things where we can make those um, those, those things super challenging for our guys. And so, um, but no, I, I think um, those small conversations are so important. Um, I can't stress that enough of just making sure, especially your leaders on the team or the ones that have the locker room, the voice of the locker room, making sure they're bought in and understand the why you're doing it and that they're, you know, seeing the benefits and excited about playing it and it'll trickle down to the rest of your locker room. Um, we're constantly having those conversations with, even with our older guys, I'll be like, how do you think it looks? Ryan, how do you think it looks? Do you like it? You think, you think we're getting there? You, you feel good about it? Just constantly having those conversations and getting their feedback on where they think it's at. I think that's just as important as what you're doing on the court. And then those two things together, man, sky's the limit. I think it can be really awesome. I agree. And, uh, you know, a coach that's considering switching to this, yeah. Uh, from either a traditional zone or from, uh, you know, a man-to-man defense. What are some of the challenges that stand out initially for them? What are some of the potential struggles in terms of making this change? So I, I think one thing for the lower levels is there's a lot of times where people are saying you can only play man-to-man, like middle school or high school basketball, and maybe not so much high school, more middle school, like only you should play man-to-man defense, right? Like if they play zone, it's going to get bad habits and they're not going to be able People to play. People may when say that, but nobody does. From my That's experience, right. nobody's playing man to man. I coached an AAU season with That's my right. daughters, and we were the only team that played man to man. That's right. It, 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 but I, I do think people say that, right? And so I think part of it is just being able to say, hey, no, we're actually teaching people how to play basketball and figure it out, right? It might look a little bit different, but some of the concepts that we're talking about are the same regardless of defense. Like we're walling up at the basket. That's a universal concept. We're not fouling, we're walling up. We're helping each other on defense. We're working together. We're on a string sometimes. Like all these different things, these same kind of things, they, they're, they're, we're, we're trying to get a stop. And so um, I think that's part of it. Um, we talked a lot about negative stereotypes already, and, and that goes hand in hand with this too, just reinforcing the why and doing those things. Um, and then I think just you as a coach, I, I'll reiterate again, like 
you need to be comfortable and make sure you're good with it. You can't do this stuff for two or three weeks. Go into the first game and because it's not going to be perfect in the first game because you haven't gone against somebody else and it's brand new for your team. So you might give up an open corner three or something like that and being like, oh, it doesn't, you know, I'm bailing on it because, you know, whatever. Like, you've got to stick to it and trust. That happens that with your man-to-man defense anyway. You're going to make mistakes early That's in the true. year. Yeah. That's true. That's right. But sticking with it, um, being good, trusting in it, um, and just continuing to harp on the effort can cover up so many mistakes. Like, we talked to our guy, and, and I know it, it, that sounds kind of cliche as too, but you have a, there's a distinct feel. Like, we can, we can tell it with our guys. They can feel it, too. If we're flat and we don't have bounce and we're not, you know, we call it stunting up top, right? So our two guys up top, we're going to stunt at the dribbling. Those are the two guys between the three-point line and the half-court line. They're going to stunt. They're going to jab at him. They're going to fake at him. They're going to do these different things. And if those guys don't have energy and bounce and they're flat-footed, then our defense isn't going to be great. And it's the same thing if we're playing man-to-man. It's not going to be great. And so they, they set the tone up top. Those guys, they're stunning. They're active. They're jabbing. They're doing that kind of stuff. They're talking then our backline guys are going to work harder. They're flying around. And some of our best possessions are ones that aren't picture perfect, but they've got the energy, they've got the juice, they got the bounce, they're talking, they're helping each other, they're flying around. So that's a big part of it. And I think even more in the second half, and, and I assume it's this way at all levels of basketball, but I know for us, right, second half, we're away from our bench. And so we're constantly, and we rep that in practice. There'll be times where I take everybody that's out of the game, that's not repping live in practice, so not those 10 guys playing, and I'm going to put them on the opposite side of the court in practice. And I'm like, we're going to simulate that you're on the bench. I'm going to stand down there with them. And so I want to see those five defenders away from our bench. Are they going to have the same bounce? Are they going to have the same communication? We we have to practice that. We can't just expect that to be automatic in the game that our guys realize there's got to be an even extra level of energy and juice because they're not in front of our bench. I feel like we always have that in front of our bench. Our, if, if our bench energy is good, we're there talking to them. We're hyping like we're we're communicating. But when they get in that second half where it's even more important, we get the stops. Um we practice that part and we rep the part and we want our guys to take ownership and knowing, hey, those are us five together away from our bench. We're going to bring the energy. We're going to figure this thing out. We're going to get the stop. Love it. Love it. And you reference basketball immersion as a basketball immersion member of our community. I know you dove into all these topics and you have uh, applied and they've been an influence. Can you talk about some of the other influences that have helped you develop this defensive concept? And so I, I want to start with Rollins. Uh, University, which is in Florida, is where we stole or borrowed the alignment. Now we play a difference, but we got to the point, you know, early on where I, I literally and I went to Synergy and was just like, I want to look at different things defensively. And so we just went to every team that played a lot of zone. And then we were like, who was pretty good? And then and we saw that alignment. We liked the alignment. And so we took the alignment from them and then morphed it into our own. Um, and then Man, I've had such good assistance since we've been here, and 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 those guys have added things, right? They're like, Coach, what do, what do you think about this? Uh, what about this? And that's been really good. Um, guys that I've worked for in the past, uh, being able to sit with them and just bounce ideas off them. And I, I'd be like, hey, you know, one of the coaches I've worked with in the, uh, that I was an assistant for, um, you know, Lee Glenn, um, who works at North, University of North Georgia now, I would ask him and say, Coach, like, I'm doing this defensively. How would you attack me? He's one of the best offensive guys I've ever, I've ever been around. And he gave me some stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is how we would come back, combat that. And so just the coaching community is so great. And, and like I mentioned earlier, I, I think I was in the wrong to even be hesitant to want to share because I think it's made us better. People asking questions, people challenging us um, has made it even better. And that reward has been worth the, I'm going to hoard everything. I don't want anybody to know what we do on all this and all that kind of stuff. Like that's, I, I don't think that's beneficial. I think it's better to, you know, be willing to share 
And then those people can challenge us and make us even better. And if we really believe in what we're doing and we can get good enough in it, um, it's going to be good enough for, for us to be successful and, and win basketball. Greg, man, as we wrap up here, I, you know, looking at your career and getting to know you, I mean, one of the things, I mean, often on this podcast, we have coaches that obviously are successful and have jumped from place to place or, you know, had success where they are. And then that leads to something else. And I'm not saying you haven't had opportunities because I think you have, but you've stayed there for 10 years and you started from the bottom and now you're here. And it's a beautiful thing to be able to look at that and define that as success. You know, without winning the national championship at Piedmont yet or anything like that, you've been incredibly successful with a career in coaching. So can you talk about that? Um, I appreciate you saying that, Chris. And, and, and you're right. Like, and, and early on, every time somebody would ask or talk about an opportunity, you'd be just like, wow, yeah, that's all. That's great. Right. And then um, as I've gotten older and, and been able to really establish someplace and my athletic director before me was the long 20 plus year baseball coach here. And he really modeled that for me and 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 was a really good example for that. It's 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 your why, right? Like, I mean, that's what it is. It's it's why did you get in this from the beginning? And we all like we're super competitive and we've been fortunate to be successful here in our own right, especially where we're coming from. And we haven't won a national championship and we are working every day to do that. And I do not want to shortchange that. If, if we said we weren't, we'd be shortchanging every guy who's in our locker room right now, my staff, all the resources, the school gives us all that. So we are not shortchanging that for a second. But success can look like different things. And I don't think you have to sacrifice one for the other. It's not a if this, you can't have that. It is all of it. And I talk to our guys all the time in the locker room. What I take such great pride in is we want to win a national championship. We want to do those things, but we are not going to sacrifice the other. And that's the type of people that we are and the type of people that we're going to be and how we're going to act and how we're going to handle ourselves, what we're going to do academically in the classroom too, like for us here school-wise. But I, I take and it's hard because, you know, if we lose, like it just, it sits in our stomach. I mean, we can't sleep. I mean, that stuff does not go away in what I'm talking about, but I take such as much, just as much pride when I see our guys work with preschool kids in our gym or special needs kids in our gym. And they, and they're so good with those young people. They do those things. Um, how we've been able to establish the community supporting our program and what it's about. Um, so yeah, we're not on TV every day and we're not doing that kind of stuff, but to us, this is big time basketball here in, in, at our, at our campus. It's big time basketball, um, in this community and we're about the right things. And for me to be at a, be able to be long time at a place and be able to try to embody those myself and then try to get our guys to take pride in doing that. Um, man, for us, it's no different than being at Duke and, and I wouldn't trade it for a minute. And um, that's why I'm just so grateful, Chris, that, that you even you know are willing to have us and let us share and, and do these things because um, it's an awesome opportunity. And and how much we've stolen from you and everywhere else to be able to maybe give something back is really humbling and, and really cool. Well said, and uh, you know we're all better for it for you sharing the game. So thank you so much for uh, you know your your product. Uh, you know the two one two pressure zone defense mastery series is available at immersionvideos.com or basketballzonedefense.com. And uh, for being on this podcast and adding incredible value for all of us as coaches. So thank you. Thanks, Chris. And if anybody, you know, watches the videos and, and feels like they have something, I mean, all PiedmontLions.com, email me. I mean, we I might not get back to you that day, but I will get back to you and we will do whatever we can to help. Um, don't hesitate. Get ready for your inbox to be full. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready to take your coaching to the next level? Thousands and thousands of coaches have already benefited from Basketball Immersion's membership community, and you can be next. Join us as an individual coach 
or take advantage of our exclusive pricing for staff or club members and unlock valuable learning resources with access to cutting-edge basketball and coaching concepts that will save you time and improve your coaching and your players' enjoyment of practices and games. Take advantage of this opportunity today. Go to www.basketballimmersion.com. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout-out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter. Thank you.